Welcome everyone, this is Russ Galzo, Chronicles of the End Times. So glad to be with you today as we continue to look at the word of prophecy. Today we're going to look at something a little bit different, being that it's the week just prior to Christmas. We're going to look at the fulfillment of prophecy for the first coming of Jesus Christ. And if you were to look at all the numbers and all the prophecies in the Old Testament that were fulfilled in Jesus Christ, it would be you would be amazed by it. The staggering number of you look at the odds of all those prophecies being fulfilled in one person, it's astronomical. You just can't fathom the number. It's so large. God watches over his word to perform it. He says that in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 12. It's not a guessing game. You know, to us, we make a prediction, you know, of a football game or a political event or whatever the case may be. And for us, it's a calculated guess, right? We look at all the facts, we look at all the figures, and we try to figure out, you know, what's the best thing to do. I mean, people do it in stock market all the time. They're trying to figure out what stock is going to rise, what companies, the ongoing company, they look at all these facts and figures, and they come to a conclusion. But that's not the way God works. God says, I watch over my word to perform it. From a prediction standpoint, we might call that cheating. <laughs> you know, like if you have all the answers and you make a prediction from a human standpoint, of course, I'm talking, you know, just in human terms, is that really a prediction? But that's how solid God's prophecies are through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a guessing game. God says, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to watch over it and I'm going to make sure it gets done. And that shows his sovereignty. That shows his glory. And that testifies to who he is and that he is. So let's take a look briefly at some of the points of prophecy that pointed to Jesus Christ. You know, the work of redemption was to be accomplished by one person, one central figure in both Testaments. He was the promised Messiah. And we see that in Genesis 3.15 as the seed of the woman. The enemy was to bruise his heel, but he was to crush the serpent's head. He was to be a descendant of David. He was to come from the tribe of Judah. He was to come at a specific time. He was to be born of a virgin at Bethlehem in Judea. Great persons were to visit and adore him. Through the rage of a jealous king, innocent children were to be slaughtered. These are just a few of the prophecies. So let's check out a couple of them. We're very familiar with the seed of the woman as prophesied in Genesis 3.15. The word says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Talking about the crucifixion and the resurrection. And through that resurrection, Jesus defeated death in the grave, which took the power away from the devil. And in turn, he gave power to us to overcome the enemy in our lives. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul talks about an appointed time. He says, But when the time had fully come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive full rights as sons and daughters. So God had a specific time that he had prophesied that his Son would come. And it's no accident that we celebrate with mangers and uh, nativity scenes. We may not see as many as we used to in the 
in days gone by, but we still celebrate with that because it was that was the time. That was the moment with the shepherds and the angels came to the shepherds in the field. These things were all prophesied. And so it wasn't an accident. God specifically picked that time. And I also find it interesting in 70 AD that the temple was destroyed. You know, the Romans burnt the temple down. Through those years, millions of Jews were killed. Not only that, but all their records were destroyed. During that time, the Pharisees and the Sadducees told the people, look, bring all your important papers, all the papers that show your genealogy, and bring them to the temple. Because they were told by false prophets that God was going to deliver the Romans into their hands. And of course, that isn't what Jesus prophesied at all. And Jesus prophesied that every brick and every stone, nothing will be left on top of another. They would all be torn down. And as the story goes, when they burnt the temple down, the gold that was in the ceiling melted down and melted down right on through and got in between all the bricks. And so when all this was going on, they actually did take every stone apart and scrape the gold. And also when he was going to the cross, you remember him saying to the people, weep not for me, but for your children. He knew, he saw, and he prophesied that this would happen. There's an interesting scripture in Genesis 49.10 that also underlines the fact that Jesus had to come at a specific time. The scripture says that the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet until Shiloh come, and unto him shall the obedience of the people be. That's Genesis 49.10. And basically that's saying Israel will always have a king, the scepter representing kingship, until the Messiah comes. When the Messiah comes, that ends that. And so we see even during their time in Babylon, they always had a king. And even during the time of the Roman reign, those of you who know who study history, the Romans allowed for different religions to dwell within you know, their own, right? As long as you recognize uh, the emperor as the all-supreme God, you know, as long as you played nice with the Roman Empire, they let you do your thing, and it helped them control the people. The prophecy that was fulfilled at that time was in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Malachi says under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, he says, the Lord shall suddenly come to his temple. So this is a prediction that could not have been fulfilled after 70 AD. Though the Romans were overlords of the Jews, the Jews had a king in their own land. They were, to a large extent, governed by their own laws, and the Sanhedrin of the nation still exercised, you know, the authority. The same year that Jesus presented himself in the temple, really for the first time, he was 12 years old, and you remember the story that Joseph and Mary would come every year to celebrate the Passover, and this one particular year, uh, they left him there by accident. And he was there for three days, the scripture says. They found him in a temple court, sitting among the teachers and listening to them and asking them questions. And he was discussing the scriptures with the elders and the teachers of the law. And they were amazed and shocked at his knowledge and understanding and his wisdom. So in that same year that he made himself known to them in the temple, it was the same year that Caponius was appointed Roman procurator of the kingdom of Judah. And why is this important is because Archelaus, the king of the Jews at the time, was dethroned and banished 
Israel was formally debased into part of the providence of Syria. So for the first time since King Saul, Israel had no formal king. Although Israel was unaware of it, their king was a 12-year-old boy standing in the midst of the elders discussing the law of Moses. It's a fascinating study. And now, back to Bethlehem and enter the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Although the Pharisees and scribes didn't seem too excited about it, or even maybe understand it fully, the Magi, these kings, did. They understood the prophecies. It could have been from all the Jewish influence in Babylon and the Persian area, way back even from Daniel's time. I'm sure that they knew about this. They studied it. It was their job. It was what they did. They studied the stars. And so when they saw the prophecy being fulfilled, they got themselves together and headed for Jerusalem, a distance of at least a 1,000 miles. And so to make this journey and to make it safely, carrying gold and whatever else they had on their person, their own personal riches and provisions for the trip, they needed protection. So I'm sure there was a large entourage that went with them to protect them. And so when they entered Jerusalem and got an audience with Herod, that was a big deal that got Herod's attention immediately, and he was impressed with what he saw. What a question to ask. They come in, these magi, these wise men, uh, many people call them kings, but whoever they are, they were astrologers, they were men of knowledge and men of means, obviously. They were very wealthy and very powerful and very influential in Babylon and the Persian Empire in that area. So they come with this large entourage, and here they ask the king, where is the one who is to be born king of the Jews? And so Herod freaks out. He probably sets them aside somewhere and tells them to hang on. He calls in his scribes and the Pharisees, and he says, where is this supposed to happen? And of course, they tell him, and he's very disturbed. They're very disturbed. So we see even early on that the religious leadership was already disturbed, and they didn't even know him. They haven't even seen him, and this is a child that's just been born. They don't want what they have rocked. They don't want the boat rocked. Where the lay people, you know, the Jews, they hated Herod for his hypocrisy and all the things that he did, because he wasn't a true Jew, and they knew it. The, here the Magi, these kings, these wise men, these wealthy men, they came and they understood the prophecy. They just wanted to know. So where do we go from here? And of course, Herod calls him back in. Yeah, this is a great idea. This is where it is in Bethlehem. So go search him out. Now that you know the town, search him out. And, and when you find out exactly where he is, come back and tell me. And of course, I want to worship him, which is, you know, he was looking to do away with him, of course. 
I find it very interesting that not only Herod was disturbed, but all of Jerusalem, at least those in power. God is always one step ahead of the enemy. So in a dream, they were warned not to go back to Herod, and they went back a different way. But isn't it amazing? These men came all that way, a thousand miles, and their entourage with them to worship Jesus. And Israel themselves didn't see him. He was just born in obscurity. Nobody really cared. It is alarming. We have to be careful as well that we read the scriptures and we think we know this and we know that. But if we don't practice it and we don't stay in touch with God, we could miss the message of God as well for our own lives. Herod, when he found out that he had been tricked, he was furious. The only recourse he had if he was going to kill this child was just kill all the children two years and under. And so that's what he did, killed all the Jewish boys two years and under. The scripture in Jeremiah where it talks about Rachel mourning and weeping for her children, this is the prophecy that Jeremiah spoke concerning this time. Rachel was considered the mother of Israel. She was also, if you remember uh, from reading your Old Testament, Rachel was buried in Bethlehem. And so this is a real figurative look into what Jeremiah is saying. You know, Rachel weeping for her children, and they are no more. Very, very sad. The Jews hated Herod anyway, because he considered himself the king of the Jews. That enraged them. And there was a saying that they had in that day, and they said it was safer to be Herod's hog than his son, because his son was also killed during this slaughter. And so it was a slam against him as a supposed Jew, and they knew he didn't live the Jewish lifestyle. So they made up that saying that it would have been safer to be his hog than his son. So Herod sets out to do this horrific act, and God speaks to Mary and Joseph, says, you got to get out of here. You flee to Egypt until this is over. And so several prophecies are fulfilled here. One is we see Jesus is born in Bethlehem, where he's prophesied to be, where the Jews expected him to be born. But then he goes to Egypt because the scripture says, I call my son out of Egypt. And then he goes to live in Nazareth because the prophecies say he was to be called a Nazarene. And so that's why we see when they confront Jesus later, they say, what good thing can come out of Nazareth? Because they probably expected him not only to be born in Bethlehem, but to be raised there as well. So God does watch over his word to perform it. That's why it's so important for us to read the word of God. You know, there's a lot of emphasis today on the New Testament, and obviously that's the fulfillment of the Old Testament, where the salvation is, of course, and the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the teachings of Paul and the prophecies of a second coming. But for us, we cannot discard the Old Testament. It is so rich in prophecy and information, and it gives us insight. You know, as Jesus said, a good teacher will not only pull from the new, but he'll also be able to pull from the old as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you and your families have a Merry Christmas. And for those of you out there, this season might be a little tough on, and we know there are many reasons why that can be. I know God will wrap his arms around you. I pray his spirit will encompass you and lift you up and encourage you this day. And to all of you out there, have a Merry Christmas. This is Russ Galzo of Chronicles of the End Times. 
keep looking up. The king is coming.